the Raising the Bar podcast, brought to you by the Association of Gray's Inn Students. Hello and welcome to the Raising the Bar podcast. I'm Nia Marshall and today we are lucky to be joined by Frederico Singaraja, who is a barrister and an arbitrator at Hardwick Chambers. He's also a Gray's Inn member and he's a specialist in international trade and investment disputes. Welcome, Frederico. Thank you, Nia. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's a real privilege to be here. The pleasure and the privilege is all is all ours. And in today's podcast, we will be discussing Frederico's role in campaigning for arbitration and the Vismut to be taught at Gray's Inn. So let's begin. Frederico, I'm really eager to hear about your journey to the bar and obviously how you've developed that interest in arbitration. Sure, Nia. I suppose my route to the bar, my journey to the bar was quite unusual. So I originally qualified as a solicitor and then a solicitor advocate and then made the move to the bar, but only a year after qualification. And probably I would say by pure accident, I was exempt from the BTPC and pupillage and began my practice at a common law set as a common law barrister and then over the years specialized back into sort of commercial disputes and arbitration as part of that. Today, I would say that my practice is almost exclusively international arbitration. That's very interesting, Frederico. Most of the time we do have persons who know straight away that they're going to the bar, but it's it's always interesting when someone else speaks about a different pathway to the bar. Now, I know that there may be some persons who are listening who are wondering about what arbitration is, and I'm sure you could assist us uh, with that. Sure. I mean, what is arbitration? It's really a, a private form of adjudicative dispute resolution. I fell in love with it, and, and one of the reasons I didn't come to the bar originally was because I, I'm originally from Brazil, and so after I finished my conversion course, the CPE at the time, I decided that I wanted to practice in, in international practice. And I didn't see many options at the bar. So that's why I went into the solicitor's profession to begin with. I mean, today, I would say arbitration encapsulates everything I enjoy about practice. So advocacy and drafting, tackling complex legal issues, a whole variety of subject matters, working with people from all over the world, and of course, regular trips to Brazil when uh, pandemic permits. Indeed. And, you know, many students know about the traditional element of litigation, but I think there is room and a clear pathway for a need for discussion on, on arbitration. And that's why I'm keen to know what is that in, the importance of, of arbitration? Could you describe that for us? Yeah, absolutely. Arbitration is a form of ADR. So I think ADR is becoming more and more important and prominent in, in dispute resolution. I think a dispute resolution practitioner, which probably encompasses the great majority of the bar, should have a menu of different dispute resolution methods at their disposal, which they can offer to their clients for the resolution of their disputes. I think people often think of arbitration as a form of ADR, but as far as international arbitration goes, my view is that there is no alternative equivalent. 
So there is no international court which has jurisdiction over the entire world. And there is no venue where you have disputes which are state-to-state disputes where they can be resolved neutrally. So I think we've reached a point in time where arbitration is instrumental for the development of international trade and investment. And it is the choice of dispute resolution method for international commerce. And I'm glad that you brought up that whole aspect of the international element because it broadens our horizons really because for many many students we're learning about alternative dispute resolution and ADR falling under that category but I think it's it's very helpful that you've also indicated the international element of it and that leads me into my next question about the career opportunities that students may seek after developing an understanding of arbitration. Yeah, absolutely. I think they are vast. I mean, at the independent bar, it's becoming more and more popular, not just in the commercial context, but also in terms of family law, sports law disputes, things like partnership and shareholder disputes, all sorts of different areas of law it's creeping into and becoming a a very efficient and effective method of dispute resolution. Beyond the independent bar, there are opportunities at the employed bar in-house, in multinational companies, in arbitral institutions, and in international law firms. And more widely, there are also other opportunities in arbitration that lends itself to careers in academia, in arbitration publications, and also secondments and as an arbitrator itself, sitting and adjudicating as an arbitrator. That's definitely a wide array of opportunities that students could actually pursue. And while we're on this topic, I know that we are currently learning tips on on how to present arguments in in the realm of, of or normal litigation. But should the approach to advocacy be altered when appearing before arbitrators? I would say without a doubt, Nia, arbitrators and international arbitrators especially, they may not be lawyers or legally trained, they may not be English or even speak English as a first or second language. All the basic training that we get as advocates through the inns of court and Gray's Inn especially, they have to be even more emphasised. It's so important that communication is plain, clear, succinct and free of any colloquialisms. Arbitration is a commercial and not necessarily a legal solution, so it's important that advocates and advocacy is undertaken in a practical and helpful manner, more so, I would say, than what may be necessarily or or indeed desirable in an English court. Now, Frederico, I, I know that you have actively campaigned to have arbitration and the Vismut taught at Gray's Inn. Why, why, why did you do that? Why did you decide to introduce that to Gray's Inn? 
Well, I can't take the credit for introducing it to Grey's Inn because I think there have been teams in the past who've been participating. I understand from the Inn itself that the oldest record held by the Inn is from a team in 2014. But I think what's suspected is that that there have been previous teams who have competed under the names of Grey's Inn before this time. I think the key thing to note is that... Today, if you want to compete with Grey's Inn, you're going to have the support and the funding, which was previously available, but now you have the support of other barristers and advocates and coaches. In in the past, it was very much down to students to organise and teach themselves, and the Inn would simply provide financial support towards admission fees and accommodation. Now, why do I think it's important the the Vismut in particular, which is the Willem C. Vismut, is the largest moot in the world for international commercial arbitration. It's held annually in Vienna, and it boasts, certainly at the last, before the COVID pandemic hit, some 400 law schools and institutions from all around the world. The event itself is a congregation of renowned and talented practitioners and students with a keen interest in the subject, and it's turned into a a week-long sequence of professional and social events. Now, the reason I was keen for Grey's Inn to become more involved is that I think it is the perfect platform for us to promote the Inn, barristers, and advocacy generally. I mean, In essence, the competition is about oral advocacy, and this is precisely what we do as barristers. So I think it goes hand in hand, really. Definitely. So how long um, would you say that Grayson has been participating in the Vismut? As I say, yeah, I, I, I know that there have been teams on an ad hoc basis that have been going out. But we know that for the last three or four years, there have there have been a team. Before that, unfortunately, we don't have the record. So we're pretty sure that there have been some, but, but we're not entirely sure because it was very much organised by the students themselves. Okay, so it's clear then to me that what you offered Grey's in was somewhat of a, a structured approach to the teaching to ensure that students have all the materials and the resources available to them in terms of learning and preparing for that mood, which is very, very helpful. And that actually merits a big thank you, uh, Frederico, for, for doing that. Well, not at all. I mean, I wish I could take all the credit, as I say, but it's Marion Smith QC, who is Master of Advocacy, has really been instrumental, and Christina Whelan, and also the support of Tony Charles and the Under-Treasurer and, and a whole host of people, no less all the coaches and the teachers who teach through the course and coach the Vismu team. I mean, that we have some incredibly busy, very well-renowned practitioners who give their time um, to, to help. So it wouldn't be possible without them. And all of you should be applauded for your efforts. I'm sure we're we're eternally grateful for that as well. We do know as well that the arbitration course is also taught at Gray's Inn. And I don't know if you're if you'd remember, but do you know when that uh, course was introduced to Grayson? 
Yeah, formal coaching of the team began in the year 2019-2020. The International Arbitration Course was launched by Gray's Inn as a preamble to, to the Vismut, and it was launched for the first time in, in this year's cohort. So the problem that was released in 2020 and the competition, which is just a few weeks away now. But it is intended to run every summer from now on as a run-up to the release of the problem, um, as a way really to inform and prepare the students who have an interest in competing and give them a general a foundation of international arbitration so that they can then go on to compete in, in, a, in a better position. It's definitely songs like a training camp or kind of like a training course to aid in your preparation. And I think that's extremely beneficial. I'm sure you have seen the benefits of introducing this course. Uh, would you care to, to share some of those benefits? Without a doubt. I, I mean, there are some sort of general benefits and there are some specific benefits. Starting with the general, I think, you know, as you say, as we've discussed earlier, ADR is a growth area for dispute resolution, which is the bread and butter of the bar. So getting some really practical knowledge of the way at least arbitration works is invaluable. And I think students who have that are going to be able to set themselves apart from students from other inns, for example. But I mean, even in the short term, we've seen some quantifiable benefits. Two of our team members from last year have gone on to be part of a team that are now 2021 UK and Ireland Jessup Moot champions. And one of our oralists from the Grazing team this year came as a runner-up as best oralist in the Fox Williams Chartered Institute of Arbitrators pre-moot that happened either last week or the week before. I, I, I don't recall now. So we're obviously already sh it's showing dividends. Yeah, so you're definitely seeing the results of the training and students actually taking on board the instructions and, and taking on board the, the rigorous teaching and applying that to even other competitions. Now, what did you find is the most challenging part about teaching arbitration? Yes. Well, I mean, as I've already said, we're very lucky at Grays that we have a large pool of incredibly knowledgeable and talented practitioners who volunteer their time from their busy lives because they take the satisfaction of giving back to the next generation of talent. I mean, we have senior judges, we have heads of international arbitration practices and top firms, we've got specialist silks and seasoned international arbitrators and recognized academics who all form part of the teaching faculty and the coaching faculty. So I don't see much difficulty there. I suppose the biggest challenge is getting organized and juggling the home and family commitments, especially for myself, but for students who participate as well as for the coaching and teaching staff. You made mention of the training and for students, prospective students who may be interested in joining this course specifically, could you describe the nature of the training? For example, how many hours weekly uh, you think students should dedicate to training or expect to dedicate to it? Yeah, that's a really good question, Nia. 
I, I'll be transparent. It is not for the faint-hearted. I mean, it, 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 it requires commitment from the students. But so far, students have shown that commitment. And those who really do, it, it really shows through from the results that they achieve. As far as hours go, um, the sessions themselves, I, I think outside of that, you should be aiming at some five hours a week spent both on the course and then if you go on to compete on the Vismood as a minimum, students should really be aiming at reading at least two to three hours a week during the course and possibly a fair bit more on the run-up as pre-reading before they begin. How how long would you say are, are the training sessions in terms of each training session? Again, I'll make the distinction between the course and the Vismoot uh, itself. So normally we have two sessions a week for the course, and they're two and a half hours each. The, the difference between this course and, and perhaps other courses that either the in or other arbitration courses that might be available, the distinction is that this is very much student-led. So it's not a case of students signing up and then sitting back in the class and listening, but uh, it requires active involvement and students are encouraged and expected to deliver and share knowledge amongst one another and they're, they're to be assisted by the practitioners. So it's a, it's a very hands-on course. As far as the competition goes, if you sign up and want to compete, then we normally have one two and a half hour session a week, but students will be expected and, and really, if they want to succeed, they're going to need to, to work together independently around that as well. This course definitely does sound as though it calls for a lot of collaboration, especially between students and a lot of active learning as well. I always found that active learning is is more effective, in my opinion, than, than passive learning, especially in certain disciplines. So I think that kind of strategy that's being implemented in the course will be quite effective when it's time for you to get on your feet and to make those submissions. Now, I think the burning question for many people listening who actually want to get involved, I think they'd want to know how can we actually get involved? Well, I'm glad that you asked, Nia. We hold an open evening every year and normally Marion Smith QC and myself take part in that and we'll deliver all the information. This year, the open evening is set to take place on Thursday, the 29th of July at 6 p.m. It's a great opportunity to find out more and ask any specific burning questions students may have. The application window normally opens at that point following the, the introductory session. And we normally ask for a short piece of uh, writing, asking individuals why they want to take the course. This is then reviewed by uh, coaches and selection is made after that. That's very helpful. Now, I know that we spoke about the rigor in terms of the demands on, on students' time if they do plan on undertaking on, on the course. But what do you think, uh, besides the time demands, should students expect when registering for the training sessions? Sure, Nia. I think they should expect an intense but equally rewarding experience. 
which is really going to set them apart from other pupils and junior barristers when they begin practice. As you said, you know, about active learning and and the dividends that pays when you get into practice, you know, the, the general feedback is that everyone who goes through this generally states that they take away so much that they haven't been able to get either from the BTPC or indeed from advocacy training because they're just getting so much one-to-one time and with smaller numbers. And so it's quite intense. As well as this, they should expect to gain a good general and practical understanding of international commercial arbitration, which they can then apply if they choose to go on to practice. I think that you maybe started to answer uh, my next question, which has to do with the skills that that students develop. And obviously, um, in terms of learning more about international commercial arbitration, I guess that that would be one thing that they would start to, to, to develop. But do you think anything else comes out in terms of skills that they can take away from from that experience as well? Yeah, absolutely. Again, I mean, apart from the obvious skills, legal skills in drafting and oral advocacy, there are many soft skills to learn, especially in the competition, the Vismood competition. And these are usually the most important as they're perhaps the most unexpected and often the most valuable. What I mean by soft skills are things like working as a team, timekeeping, dividing labor, you know, all the things that you're going to have to do truly in practice, whether it be if you're being led or if you're working with solicitors and if you've got pieces of work that are due and deadlines for court, et cetera, et cetera. So some of these things are not things that are usually taught in any formal way. And until you're actually doing it, it's very difficult to envisage. But the vismut really gives you firsthand experience of all of that. And to me, those kind of skills in terms of developing uh, teamwork skills really shouldn't be overlooked because <laughs> I think the saying is that you, you're only as strong as, as the weakest link. And I, I think an experience like that uh, really shows you why you should try to divide the work amongst you and get along well or well enough uh, professionally with your teammate. And as you rightfully said, um, that kind of experience you wouldn't necessarily or readily gain just within the confines of, of our classroom walls. Now, I know we spoke about students being able to get involved in the in the course specifically. But what about those students who wish to get involved in the Vismut? Is there a different process for those who would have undertaken the course before as opposed to those students who maybe didn't undertake the course? Do both types of students still get an opportunity to get involved in that Vismut competition? Yeah, I mean, the course was introduced precisely to plug the gap in the knowledge of students compared to other students that might be competing in one of the other 300-odd teams, 400-odd teams. So by attending the arbitration course, Open Evening Seminar on the 29th of July, attending the course, getting through the course, and then submitting an application at the end of that, which will be explained at the end of the course which will coincide roughly with when the problem is released, then they can uh, compete 
full graze in and attend the Vismut. The Vismut itself has its own rule book, as it were. And so there are certain formalities that must be met and they're released every year on the Vismut website. If anyone's curious, then I encourage them to go. And if you just Google Vismut, you'll be able to find their website and go through the general rules and the requirements and, and, and how the deadlines work, etc. Yeah, I think that's very helpful. I'm sure persons will definitely have a look at that website as well. Now, what advice would you give to students who are interested in arbitration or competing in in that Vismut competition? I I would say, look, I, I never competed in the Vismut myself. Unfortunately, I didn't know anything about it at the time. And so I missed the boat. But the general feedback as to why students say it's valuable for them or important for them is that first they say it's it's the best opportunity they've had to practice the skills that they were taught as student barristers and secondly it's the lessons that they've learnt that have been most useful since beginning practice for me the vismut is the closest thing to a real case to real practice uh, experience so I think that's why it's very important and valuable for students to participate. I think I could agree with you there because I know even as, as pupillage applications are being reviewed right now, I find that a lot of the common feedback is that, you know, students need more experience maybe with cases or situations where they can attain court base advocacy experience or more advocacy experience. So I think competition like the Vismut is definitely invaluable. And most of us always are in need of experience. So I think it it is um, an invaluable opportunity that shouldn't be passed up. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what advice would you give to students who wish to pursue a career as an arbitrator? Wow. Um, Well, my advice, I suppose, is is don't set out to pursue a career as an arbitrator. Pursue a career in arbitration. And if you're good and you're lucky, you might achieve the latter. And if you're even luckier, you might just achieve a career as an arbitrator. It is not easy. And it is a industry, a sector of practice, which there is a growing area, but it's still a, a very small community. And so you really, really have to work hard. I mean, I'm sure that anyone who is embarking on a career as a, at the bar is already aware of the challenges in the competition and how competitive and difficult it is. Arbitration is just another element of that. So I would certainly say keep at it, build profiles, join associations. There are lots of young arbitration associations, things like the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators Young Group, the LCIA, the ICC, and all sorts of other institutions who have young practitioner groups. Join them, uh, build a profile, get to know people, and try and get as much experience in the practice of arbitration as you can. That was very comprehensive advice. Uh, Frederico, thank you very much for joining us this evening on this podcast. We, I really did enjoy uh, the conversation that we did have. Me too, Ania. Thank you so much. Uh, and thank you to the end for the opportunity. Thank you. It was a pleasure. 
thanks for listening to the Raising the Bar podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review. And for more information, check us out on Twitter at AGI Students.